One of the biggest stories in American soccer is happening below the surface, or at least below the first division. The USL Championship, which is the U.S.'s second division men's league, is starting to develop real, genuine talent. And those talents are starting to move to bigger clubs, generate transfer fees, and create a sustainable and incentivized pathway for everyone involved. It's growing in the game in the U.S., it's growing the talent pool, and we're starting to see some excellent young players shine in the USL and move on. Just last year, the championship broke its record outgoing transfer fee for a USL to MLS move and a USL to Europe move. I'm Joe Lowry, and welcome to the Backheel Show. With the USL Championship regular season kicking off on Saturday, today I'll be joined by Backheel's USL expert, John Morrissey, to discuss which young players you should be watching in the USL this season. Because if you don't watch them now, they might be over in Europe or at an MLS team near you over the next year or two. Here at Backheel, we believe that just because soccer games are 90 minutes long doesn't mean that soccer podcasts have to be. We'll run you through what you need to know in 10 minutes or less. So let's get to it and talk soccer. I'm now joined by USL expert John Morrissey. John, thanks for coming on the show. How are you? Doing really well. I mean, I've been a fan of every pod you've put out so far, so excited to be on. Boom, boom. Let's do this thing, John. Let's get right into some USL chat to look at some of the young stars to watch ahead of the regular season starting this weekend. And some of these stars might not be in the USL for all that much longer. Let's start with the biggest name, Joshua Winder. He was on this show a couple of weeks ago, so folks can go back and listen to that. 17-year-old center back reportedly headed to Benfica for a league record fee. John, what makes Joshua Winder the most highly regarded young player in the USL championship? I think it's the completeness of his game and what he's doing at such a young age for someone who's I mean, barely able to drive to walk into a lineup of the best team in the USL is really an accomplishment. He's a, a good defender at this stage. I think there's growth to be seen there, but he is very capable on the ball. Uh, Louisville is a possessive sort of team, and he has been nothing but spectacular distributing from the back. That headiness at his age, his ability to operate in a high line, you've just seen him do bits and pieces of all the skills you would want from a center back going forward in their career. If this move to Benfica comes to fruition, reported by Pro Soccer Wire, if this move happens after he turns 18 and he goes over in the summer, what do you expect, right? Surely he's not walking right into that lineup. I don't think that's that's realistic. But, you know, what could the development pathway for a winder look like over the next, say, 18 months? I would expect that he'll probably get loaned out maybe within Portugal, get some time, some games there. I think that he has the potential to get real minutes in a European first division. And no, that won't be Benfica, who can play at a Champions League level right away, certainly. But there's no better way for him to improve than getting legitimate first team minutes. So I I would hope that that's going to be the priority, get him a good loan, see him into the first team within the next two years, maybe. Another player that I think worth, is, is worth diving into is Karede Osundina, 19-year-old winger who plays for Orange County. He's been involved at the U.S. U19 and U20 levels, the U20 stuff a little bit more briefly and more recently. John, what have you seen from Osundina and what needs to happen for him to take the next step in 2023? 
Yeah, Osendina, I think somewhat on the sly, got around 20 games worth of matches for Orange County last year. A poor team, but he was one of the real bright spots. Uh, He's good on the dribble, rather quick. For someone his age and someone with a rather developed frame, he's still very technical. He doesn't overly rely on that athleticism, which I think is key going forward. This season, Orange County expects to improve and get back into the playoff mix, and he'll be a big part of that situation if they do so. Uh, I want to see him step up creatively. I think that there are moments where he can go a little bit into the tunnel vision, lack some of that unselfishness that you want to see from a player who's really going to contribute as a cog in the attack. But the pieces are there. I think he's pretty good as a scorer already coming in from the wide areas. So lots of potential and just making sure you're continuing the growth in the time you're given. Do you expect Osandino to start for Orange County on the wing this year, or is he going to be in more of a role player rotation kind of role? They've added a lot of talent up there. I think that he'll get a good amount of starts, and he'll have the runway, certainly, to prove himself. Orange County's good about giving the young players the minutes. We saw it with Kobe Henry, so they can move them on for those big fees. John, one thing that strikes me when we're talking about youth development and we're talking about the USL starting to have these players in their academies is the fact that this this stuff wasn't really happening too long ago. This wasn't happening 24 months ago. You know, in the past, a lot of these players would have ended up at MLS academies. I think about Osandina, who was at the Barca Residency Academy in Arizona. It's close-ish to where I am, generally speaking. You know, other Barca Residency Academy players have gone to MLS, right? Caden Clark is one name. Bryce Duke is one name. Julian Araujo is another name. I mean, these players were all at the exact same spot that Osandina was, and they've gone to MLS. What has changed in the landscape such that now players like Osandina, players playing at one of the best academies in in the United States, are looking to a completely different league and, and not even a first division league to go and further their careers? What is prompting this? There's certainly been directives from the league headquarters of this mission that the USL wants to be a real cog in the global transfer market. They want to be a real stepping stone for players with ambition, and that has gone out to the clubs as a priority. I think it took one or two test cases to see, okay, if you're El Paso, you can sign Diego Luna, I believe another player with a little bit of experience at the Barca residency, right? You can move him on for FB. And not to say that USL is small potatoes, but when you're working at the budget levels of these teams, and then you can get $800,000 for a Kobe Henry, you can get a real amount of money for a Diego Luna. It pays to take 24 months to sign a player. And if you are one of those players, rather than enter MLS, which still, though improving, has some arcane roster rules that makes it a little bit more difficult to move on, USL is better integrated, better able to get you quickly to where you want to go as a player. Okay, well, let's get back on the player track. John, I want to ask you about Fidel Barajas, who's a player that you've written about for Backfield before, plays for the Charleston Battery, young Mexican-American dual national that folks at at the USL seem to be really excited about, but I'm not sure he's a name that people know. What should they know about Barajas? Yeah, he's another one, much like Osendina, who plays in the wide areas. Uh, He debuted, he signed for Charleston midway through last season, got some pretty good minutes at wingback, showed a lot of potential getting up and down. I think his future lies in a proper winger role, more of an attacker, but um. He's shown at the recent uh, U-17 CONCACAF tournament. A lot of people threw him up in the mix for the uh, best 11 for that. He's interestingly a dual national. Uh, He's leaned towards Mexico recently, but he has appeared for the U.S. uh, youth system in years past. 
Charleston puts a lot of value in him. He's had a good preseason, and it seems like he'll be getting some real minutes and be a contributor this year in uh, Ben Pierman's first season. But yeah, he's another one with just a very complete game. Uh, I think less physical, certainly, than Osendina, but he's got a lot more of that creativity for my taste. I love it. Okay, John, before we wrap up here, who else your listeners or, or people at MLS or European clubs be watching maybe maybe one or two other players that you're excited about or that you think have a particularly high ceiling? Sure. I'll throw out uh, Duran Faree. He's a San Diego loyal goalkeeper. He started for the U.S. at that same CONCACAF tournament last month. Uh, San Diego is a very possessive team, and Faree is the prototype of a goalkeeper to play that system. He is excellent with the ball at his feet. Uh, he's also a good shot stopper, which you have to be if you have potential at that spot. But he's somebody who, within the next couple of years, should be on your radar for really doing big things. Uh, one other name I'll throw out is Christopher Pearson. He is a, I think, just turned 20-year-old, number six for FC Tulsa. Uh, he's already trained with the Jamaican senior national team, which is a real feather in his cap. He's been tearing up the preseason there in Tulsa. It seems like he's probably going to nab that starting spot over uh, players with a lot of experience in USL and the lower ends of MLS, which, again, just speaks to the fact that he's got a lot of potential going forward. So two more names there. That's John Morrissey, ladies and gentlemen. There'll be a link to follow John on Twitter in the show notes. In the meantime, that's it for this episode of The Backyield Show. If you're looking for more American soccer coverage, you can scroll up or down in this feed or go check out Backheel.com. We'll talk to you again soon. 